It's great to be together, isn't it? Yes. Spring is slowly creeping in. <coughs> I think most everybody knows uh, Russ Kulikowski and we have Serge back. It's great to have you guys here. Welcome back. There's been a lot happening over at uh, New Hope, which is exciting. Thank you guys for coming down the river. It's a commitment. Amazing experience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Better than coffee. Okay, I'm going to read one passage for you just in case you didn't, didn't read your own this morning. This was... Uh, I woke up with this. This is Paul. This is in Corinthians. And this is a passage we know, but it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I need the power of Christ resting upon me. I have yet to come to the place where I can glory in my infirmities, but... It is becoming very evident that uh, the Lord means business with uh, the fact that we must be aware that His grace is the only thing that is sufficient to carry us through. Nobody is going to be coming through uh, without leaning on the hand of another. Uh, and just the humanity that we come out with, it is, it's tough dying. It's tough, it's tough giving up control. Uh, you know, there's just, it doesn't go easy. And uh, the Lord, in His mercy, uh, I was just thinking about the places where I feel uh, like, you know, you want to quit. Those are the places where really the, the grace of the Lord should be able to be made manifest in strength. Uh, I need a greater thankfulness in my heart for where the Lord has stopped me and where the Lord has revealed to me my inefficiencies and my incapacities. Because those are the areas where I'm very aware of the fact that nothing happens without the Lord causing it to happen. There's no going forward, there's no growth, there's no help, there's no facing today without the help of the Lord. And the fact is that uh, Paul, looking back, he wasn't just saying that because he knew he was supposed to say that. He actually had really come to the place where he knew that the Lord's grace was sufficient for him. And all those situations that he wouldn't have chosen to go through, he was aware that those were the things that were the most important for him. I have a few situations I can look back and say, Lord, thank you for taking me through those. Um, and I think we see that in each other where the grace of the Lord, the strength of the grace of the Lord is growing in each other, even though physically it may not look better. But there is a great strength in the grace of the Lord. And that is, uh, that's something that is growing. It's not diminishing. So, okay, let's gather and sing. All right. Hold to his hand.
Serge, if you'd like to share a little something today, so we'll, we're going to hear from him. Um, just, uh, I've often wondered, you know, when Jesus fed the 5,000 or 7,000 both, but how long it took to get them to sit down. Because uh, I notice sometimes it takes us quite a while. But we're, we're happy you're here with us, so come on up and share what the Lord puts on your heart. Good in IT stuff. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be here. And first of all, I would like to ask you forgive me in case you know I'm second language guy. So if you don't understand something, what I'm saying, just raise up your hand, and I will understand. I need to find out more clear words to explain myself. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for opportunity to share with you with our faith and uh, first of all I would like uh, to read something from the Bible. Uh, may I use it? Yes. It's going to be First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 and you know it's uh, going to be verse 12. Apostle Paul saying interesting words very funny church you know that Corinthian churches was like really interesting church uh, they love Jesus but they led like special lifestyle and, and most of them they thought it's the right way to follow Jesus and when somebody's from the church informed Paul and said hey Paul you know we have something something wrong at the church and we need some advice from you how we should do right way and Paul he said a very important word like uh, verse 12 saying what is 12 uh, I need the glasses probably oh my God. the letter is too small yeah yeah it's fine uh, he's saying uh, let such and one think this that such as we are in the world by letters when we are absent such will we be also indeed when we are present uh, some coming I'm not sure it's translation uh, the same I have on my Russian uh, thing just just a second I need to compare for sure yeah yeah, yeah correct Chapter 10, yeah, first one. Yeah, it's here. Therefore, let him that thinking that he stands take heed lest he fall. He warns the congregation like, hey guys, you think you're strong in the Lord? Think twice, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And we just saw the song that's saying, uh, be strong in the Lord. Don't think you're strong. Think you're strong in the Lord. That's the way, success way, how to be really strong. When we rely on God's grace and on God's power, and when we think He leads us, that's where we get strong, right? And Paul, he, when he spoke to congregation, actually he wrote the letter to congregation. It was a second letter in, in real, and he tried to correct them, and he understood that most of the Christian people in this church, they came from Gentiles culture. It wasn't a Jewish culture. You know the difference, right? Jewish people, they didn't have a chance to be uh, taught in moral stuff. Because from the early age, uh, the rabbis in synagogue, 
they taught them how to be normal. I mean, to live normal life, you don't have to steal, right? No adultery and like different law, like different positions from the law of Moses. But Gentiles, that's a special people. It's mostly like us who came to Jesus from a real world, let's say, like real sinful world. And we live in this kind of world. And my concern today, I always uh, trying to say this word and to uh, apply it for myself, to be strong in Jesus. Why? Because this world, even Christian world, becomes really scary. It becomes really liberal. Specifically, I can see it living in California. I can see even like young Christian people, they, they confuse in their beliefs. They go to church and they think they're strong in the Lord, but li literally the moral side of their faith scares me. And it scares my kids too. And when I see you here, and we have a blessed time right now, I see the hope of United States in you. You know, because we're old school people. We're old Christian people who can bring something new to that liberal Christian world. And specifically in California, when you go to church, you can see the big difference. You can see the huge difference, I would say. And, you know, um, I read the book right now. It's saying, I don't know how it's saying in English. It's, it's basically, in, the original is American writer. It's uh, named catacombs, probably. Yeah. You know, there's like kind of hidden places where the first Christian people, they had a meanings. And we are blessed because for 300 years, first Christian, they didn't have a chance to have a meaning like we do, guys. And we have to value it. And we have to thank Lord Jesus. We have a blessed time. You have your own land. You have your own property. which like first Christians just can't dream about it. It was dream. And we have... A lot of more right now than them. And I feel I have to give you a report uh, what's going on on the piece of property you gave us to serve other people. And um, you know that on the New Hope uh, property we have a rehab center and we have six people right now and two more coming from the jail. We have uh, five guys in California right now. So and people, they have a chance like us to get together and we will have a service at 10 o'clock uh, on New Hope facility as well. And we welcome you time to time, please come and visit us and serve us, share your word, share your testimonies. I mean, we will be glad to see you. So, and definitely you can see what God does in that uh, side of uh, our community at Delta Junction. So, and I believe these words, what God uh, said through Paul to Corinthian, to Corinthian church is really actual to us. We must be strong alone. Because today to believe in Jesus becoming, I would say tough, because in different uh, places of the United States, to be a Christian today is not like really a good thing. They're looking at you like, are you Christian? Are you, are you serious, man? It's 21st century. Yeah, I know, but... It is what it is. We are Christian. <laughs> Nothing we can do. God chose us, right? To be saved, to be one family, and to have one heavenly Father. And I would like to thank you, our Lord, together. Let's pray, probably. Let's pray to thank our Lord and say, Jesus, we thank you that we have a peace with our Father right now. We have a salvation, like our brother said, by grace, not by some deeds or some rules or some specific 
laws which makes us children of God. Oh, yeah, that's a sign from above, I mean. <laughs> that's I'm right. <laughs> Let's pray together, brothers. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for opportunity to share your word, to pray together and ask you for your mercy, for your love, for your glory in our lives. We want to walk in front of you and testify your name, glorify your name and share your good news that you're still safe, the souls of the people. You can heal us. You can bring new life in our mind and our hearts. And everything you do is on your purpose and for your glory. We thank you for your presence among us. And you said that there is true refrain in your name. You are there. And we thank you for your presence and please bless us all. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. you guys coming down. I know it's only a, I mean, it's only a one-day commitment, but anybody that comes to church at 7.30 on Saturday morning, we can salute. I told them in Bowens Mill that we have church on seven, at 7.30 on Saturday morning because we have, well, first I said because we're much more spiritual than the rest of you. <laughs> But I said it's really because we go to work and it's the time when everybody can be together. So, um, <clears throat> so I think uh, Richard said you could share something short. I said, okay. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He just knows the Spirit's leading for something brief. <laughs> Um, I want to say something about the convention I was just at. Uh, one thing. Uh, that it was great to be together, I think I said that. But Brother Joe McCord, who I believe is 83, uh, he's been a faithful brother to us for 45 years. He's come up and, you know, ministered the gospel all over the world. And he's slipping mentally. Um, and he's a, he, was a, he had a brilliant mind and memory, you know, but he's slipping mentally. But he got up, and he doesn't preach anymore, but he, it, it, I told him last year when I saw him, I said, Joe, we don't care if you preach or not. I said, we just love having you around. So, and I know we all would agree with that. But he got up to speak, and, um, and he was going to read something off a letter he wrote to students. Um, that he taught over the years, and he, and he recounted um, uh, Winston Churchill's speech about never, never, never go up. And uh, maybe you've heard him say that before. And then he read the passage in Peter about your chosen generation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Um, and when he did read that, he, he was having a hard time up there, but everybody was supportive. And when he read that, the presence of God really fell 
And, and it was very anointed at that moment. He read that passage. And so that was great to see. And everybody clapped when he, you know, we sat down briefly after that. But at that minute, the next minute, um, and I think it was ordered of the Lord, Harvey Blevins, you know Harvey, he's an interesting character. He walked up all the way from the back and he said, Brother Joe, stand up. Uh, I love you. And it was right in the middle of the service. And, uh, and he, he said, I'm just compelled to pray for you. And he said, I'm not demanding something of God. He said, that's not our place. He said, I'm beseeching God, though. And he, he put his arms around him and he prayed over him and said, Lord, give this man clarity. We love him. And, and it was such a beautiful moment. Um, and I was just struck within the things that God takes us through, you know. Um, and it's a... Joe McCord is a guy that's preached for 45 years. And, you know, he's a Princeton graduate. He had a good brain. <laughs> um, but he's weak now. <clears throat> and he can't do what he did for so long. But I was so struck with the thought when Harvey did that in his little presentation that uh, the weakness of our life on earth does not diminish the love of God yeah. towards his children. And uh, I was very moved by that. It was a, a beautiful display of the Lord pouring out to Joe. And um, that was, a, I wanted you to know that that happened at the convention. Um, so we're on a, on a journey in our Christian life. And I think we all understand that. And it talks about it in Deuteronomy 8. We don't have to turn there. But something's happening on this journey that I think is of the utmost significance. Um, and that is that we understand um, the great sacrifice that, that God made in sending his son and bringing us to the place where we are, can be joined and in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. So today where you sit, even in your funny humanity and weakness, God himself is desirous of uh, joining you to himself. If you can think about that. Um, and actually, it, maybe I should read this because I, I will be brief. In John 17, there's a definition here of, of life eternal. And when we talk about life eternal, we're talking about God life, divine life. Um, we're not talking about eternal human life. <clears throat> Thank God. We're talking about the life of God working in us. And in uh, John 17, and, and the heading at my chapter says, Jesus' prayer and uh, for himself and for his disciples. 
And it's a beautiful passage. And I was struck with the fact that if anyone in, in the Bible that we know of that got his prayers answered, it was Jesus. Right? Because Jesus, what he asked was in accordance with his Father's will. When you ask anything in accordance with your Father's will, he hears you and he answers. We like a lot of stuff as children, right? My children ask for a lot of stuff. And, and it didn't mean they didn't get any of it, but they certainly didn't get all of it, <laughs> right? One time when uh, we had uh, Delta Power Sports in the, where the training post is, uh, and my Maria must have been about three or maybe four, I don't know. But she talked since she was three months, so I don't know, it's hard. <laughs> Seemed like. Um, but we went into the trading post in the showroom, we were walking around and they had those little 50cc Honda motorcycles. And very seriously, and in a logical tone, she came up to me and she said, Dad, uh, can you buy this for me? Because then I could drive it up from the shop for breakfast. It made sense to her. And for a minute, it made sense to me. Because she was really cute with these glasses, you know, and looking up at me, Dad, I got a great idea. But our Heavenly Father's heard a lot of requests from us. But he doesn't give us all those things. We ask stuff that's not according to his will. And we're kind of finding our way along what his will is, right? Paul says in Acts 17, you know, he's talking to the folks at Mars Hill, the Gentiles. And he says, I noticed you have an inscription that says to an unknown God. And him I declare who you worship ignorantly. And him I declare unto you. And... Uh, we have done the same thing. But there's something going on in this journey with the new life that's been birthed in us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to join us with the Father is that what should actually be going on is that you and I are growing in our understanding of who our Heavenly Father is and what His desire toward us is. That is the most profound thing that's going on. And there's a definition here, I think, that maybe helps, helps us. I, I like something simple in the Bible that I don't have to pray for three weeks to get the interpretation. It says this, verse 3, is life eternal. Because that's what the promise of God is, eternal life. Right? You can read that in John 3. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That personally brings into focus the thought of life eternal. What actually is life eternal? It's being joined to the Father in this relationship of knowing who he is and understanding fully that he wants to be joined with his people and fully inhabit us. And I appreciated uh, Serge's emphasis that the, the, uh, God never intended... And I, don't, and I don't want to criticize any other church or what is said, but because we have enough trouble ourselves, but God never intended for you and I to join God to our life. The intention of God has always been that you and I surrender fully 
so that his life, we can be filled with his life. It's never been a joining to make, and I know this, uh, 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 and you may know the guy, and I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to be disparaging about what is preached, but he preaches your, have your best life now, and what he means by that is, is wealth and all those kinds of things, and, and, and obviously God is not afraid to provide for us, he, and, and read about the kind of provision that the children of Israel had in the wilderness for 40 years, uh, and put some definition on it, and figure out how much manna there was, and, and, and quail, and everything else uh, around that he, he provided for his children, and he certainly has provided for us in the wilderness, um, as we can see from some of the early pictures. <laughs> He, something has happened, right? But that is not God's intention to improve your life, your natural life on this earth, though he makes a great provision. His total intention was the full surrender to his work and bringing forth his life out of us. And that's the journey that we are on that the, so that the growth of this relationship with him and joining with him uh, comes to the point where uh, you and I would be filled with the fullness of what God intended for us in the very beginning. And, and I guess that's the greatest deception in the heart of any Christian is that it's okay for me to live my life and serve God as an addendum. And the truth is, God isn't interested in us living in his life while walking on this earth. And that's what Jesus demonstrated on the earth, right? He was dependent upon his father. And I was, uh, I'm not going to preach this and I'm not going to be a Mitch Wander, but if you look at, perhaps I was narrowing down the greatest characteristic that Jesus displayed while on the earth was humility. And I say that because what it says in John 5, right? The son does nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do. He says later on in the same chapter, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. Very clearly, Philippians 2. He took upon himself the form of a servant, humbled himself, being found in fashion as a man, and became obedient unto death. That's, that's a pattern. Jesus is a patterned son. He's a picture of what a son of God walks like. And that's exactly what God wants to do through us. This, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you're not repeating that. That's an eternal sacrifice. There doesn't need to be another one. Jesus Christ made that provision. But God was never interested in just having one son. He was interested in having, bringing forth many sons for his glory. Which is the manifestation of of his life and the great thing that God brought forth in Jesus which was a demonstration of a human, a man, 
but under another power, another authority, the authority of Father God. And what that looked like when you walked on earth in that way. And can I tell you something? In our specific little community of people here, you, you totally understand when someone is a genuine servant. Jesus says, with the Gentiles, they exercise lordship. You know that scripture, right? It's in Mark 10. But with you, it shall not be so. Who is, the, who is great but the one that's a servant? Whose chief is the servant of all? Jesus says in Luke 22, I am among you as one that serves. Brother Buddy used to say, the greatest compliment he could give you. He didn't come up to you and say, good, good message, or <laughs> nice outfit, or... <laughs> um, he'd say, I'm glad I'm in the house of servants and not rulers. That was the greatest compliment he would make, you know, to any of us. So, lastly, I'm closing now, if you can even imagine it. You know that the life of God is growing in you. There's a litmus test. And it's over in Matthew 25. And it starts in 31. It says, when the Son of Man, 2531 Matthew, shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And then shall, say the, and then shall the king say unto them on his right, come you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and gave you drink, or saw you a stranger and took you in, or naked and clothed thee, or when, saw we, when did we see you sick or in prison and came unto you? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Um, and I just, I want to close with that. Because the litmus test of your life and my life is that we take upon ourselves the form of a servant. And not that we decide what we should do. We go to the Lord and say, as a servant, can you direct my steps today? Have you ever considered who's the least in the congregation? 
I mean, we make analysis about a lot of stuff, right? But I think all of us qualify. And then also there are those that are harder for us to serve than others. I have found out that I'm not such a servant when somebody treats me like I'm a servant. As a matter of fact, someone demands service from me. And even if I was planning on doing the thing before they demanded it, after it's demanded, I don't want to do it anymore. That's not the heart of Christ. And that is tested all the time. But you go to the Lord every single day and you say, Lord, I humble myself before you. I, I am your servant, Lord. Direct my steps. And God will give you some practical place to serve. And the beauty of it is when you truly are serving from the heart, you won't notice that you're serving. But it's a sweet aroma to the Lord himself because it's an indication. We're not submitting to our own analysis of who deserves what. I think, boy, if we live on the basis of what is deserved, we destroy our own house. You know, when I said I was closing, and I really am. Um, when Abraham went on his journey, and he met, I think it's Ahimelech. It's in Genesis 20. His wife apparently was very beautiful. And I know Abraham was the father of our faith, but he had a few holes in his boat. He was a man. And God was bringing forth that divine nature out of a man. And he, so what he did was he sent Sarah and said, just tell him you're my sister. And he did that to save his own life. And I was remembering uh, when my wife and I were on our honeymoon and we were walking and holding hands because we're on our honeymoon and that's what you do then. Now we just walk. Um, these two Rottweilers came bombing around this house, big house, Right to, and we were walking along, it's from me to Dawn. And they stopped right at the edge of their yard. And they seemed to have malintent towards us. And uh, all of a sudden, my wife yelled, not because of the dogs, but because I just about broke her hand. I got so afraid. <laughs> so I'm not critical of Abraham. <laughs> Go pet the dogs, honey. <laughs> but he threw his wife out there because of self-preservation. Well, he deserved correction. He deserved to be put in his place. Abraham. Do you know what his heavenly father did? 
He appeared to Ahimelech in the night and he said, you are a dead man if you touch that woman. Are you thankful this morning that God has not given you what you deserve? But he's dealt with you as with children that he's raising up. <laughs> and a, 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 is it a Himalek or a Bimelech? I, I don't know. But he's, he has this dialogue with the Lord. <laughs> he had some kind of relationship going on. He said, wait a minute. I, I did this in the integrity of my heart. Will, will you destroy a righteous nation? <laughs> and, and the Lord says, restore the woman to her husband and I'll have him pray for you. What? <laughs> Do you understand the kind of heavenly father that we have? He doesn't give us what we deserve and neither should we do that with one another. <clears throat> Not what we believe someone deserves. <clears throat> but Lord, I'm your servant. What do you, what do you want out of me today? He took upon himself the form of a servant and he humbled himself. And he is conducted along the way so that you and I end up when we even do it to the least, we do it unto him. And that's what God's bringing forth out of our hearts. And that's what this journey is about. And God <coughs> has worked with us very patiently and with long suffering. I think we can all attest to that. And we're very grateful that we've, he's kept us long enough to find out really what kind of heavenly father we have that he is committed to bringing forth his children. Amen. 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 Thank you. I came with um, a thought about pride. Your charge really ties in. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. You know, that we really safeguard, you know, our perspective and, and <clears throat> go forth here today with that awareness that, that we don't know. We don't know what God wants, but he does. And uh, you think about, you know, let this mind be in you. You know, you think of Jesus in, in specific, nothing. Nothing was beneath him. Nothing was below him. You he came from above. And that's that's really pride says I'm above that. And so just watch, you know, watch the influence. As we go here today, watch the influence, the subtlety of pride. Because pride will never take on the form of a servant. Pride, pride thinketh it's something that it's not. It thinks it stands when really it, it's nowhere, right? 
So let's position ourselves at Christ's feet. So just with that also, um, I do feel, I mentioned this the other night, just a burden for prayer that we really, um, I think the, the work of prayer is very humbling because it's not, it's not seen, it's not flashy. You don't, you don't even know um, what the results or what the outcome is going to be or what it even should look like. I think we understand that really when we pray in accordance with the will of God, that we have to be open to however God wants to answer. And I just put a couple burns. I'm 